Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Training with Tucker podcast. My name is Tucker Gross. I am an endurance athlete and coach, and I started this podcast to put out short weekly episodes on a variety of different training topics to help athletes out there improve and have a deeper understanding of how to train. Today, I'm bringing on Claire Bartholik, who is a running coach and plant-based athlete. Claire got into running a little bit later in life. She ran her first marathon at age 38 in a respectable four hours and two minutes and was immediately hooked. She became a student of the marathon using Jeff Gaudet's training philosophy and Runners Connect coaching. With dedicated coaching and training, she successfully lowered her marathon PR to two hours and 58 minutes at age 42. Remarkably, without injury, and entirely plant-based. Claire is a multiple-time Boston Marathon qualifier, state Masters Marathon champion, and a competitive Masters athlete. As a coach, she has led hundreds of athletes to the best performances of their lives through science-based training, nutrition, and mindset programs. Claire is also the host of one of the first and most popular running podcasts, The Run to the Top. With over 6 million downloads, thousands of runners listen to Claire interview the best in the sport each week, as well as learn actionable lessons to become a better runner each episode. In this episode, Claire and I talk about all things plant-based. This was one of my favorite episodes so far. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know that you're going to get a lot out of this. So please enjoy my conversation with Claire Bartholik. Claire, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Tucker. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we could easily spend 30, 40 minutes, maybe more, discussing your running career, your coaching career. But what I thought would be really helpful for the listeners to hear would be our discussion on being plant based athletes. So, how long have you been plant based? And what led you to going plant-based? Well, I've been plant-based since 2012. And what kind of pushed me into that direction was watching Forks Over Knives. I know it's a, uh, you know, a cliche at this point. So many people have turned plant-based from that uh, show. But, um, but yeah, I was already mainly vegetarian before then. Um, I would say flexitarian. I would eat like birds. <laughs> um, but it really just took that show to make me, you know, it was like a light switch. I flipped overnight with that. Yeah. Gotcha. So you were vegan before it was cool. I guess so. And I before guess it so. was easy. It was not that easy. Yeah. And, um, but through lots of trial and error, um, it's it's absolutely second nature, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't do it any other way. I and you know I would say that um, eating a hundred percent plant based is awesome, but I'm not um, super super do- dogmatic about it from a health point of view. Even though that's that's why I do it, um, but at this point. It just checks so many boxes. Um, it's so great. It's so much better environmentally. And once I learn more about how we treat animals, like all of these things just makes it the way to go for me. 
Yeah, I, I agree completely. For me, it was a a podcast episode on the Rich Roll podcast, uh, and yeah. my partner has been vegan probably in that 2012, 2013 range, and so she she tells stories of you know being being vegan before there was all these alternative um, you know plant based options and and all that, but. You know, for me, it wasn't that I lived with a vegan, certainly that had some impact, but it was hearing a podcast that talked about the, the treatment of animals. And something that really flipped the switch for me was hearing this person say, we choose, we justify eating pigs, chickens, and cows. But if somebody were to serve you dog or cat, you'd be like, how are you doing that? You know, you can't, can't eat dog. You can't eat cat. Like those are our pets, you know? And, right. and the reality is, you know, they're all sentient beings. They're all conscious and they're all feeling pain and joy and emotions. And uh, so that was what, what really flipped the switch for me. But it is much easier now to, to make that switch. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are are doing it and are trying um, some more successfully than others, and I know that it's challenging to to change habits. Do you have any advice for anyone that might be interested in, in going plant based but is kind of struggling to make that full switch? Well, yeah, I mean, I think you first should decide if you are somebody who is better at small changes or if you are like me and like to flip the switch, you know? So like for me, I'm kind of an all or nothing person. When when I commit to something, I just jump in the deep end and that works for me because I have set rules of, oh, I can eat this, I can't eat that and or you know, whereas if I had gone about it gradually, I think there's not as clear, you know, oh, I can eat this sometimes and only a little bit, you know, like for me personally, black and white just is easier for me. But that's not the case for lots of people. So other people need to, you know, dip their toe in the water and go slowly. So I would suggest for those kinds of people, you start, um, you know, one category at a time. So maybe you get rid of the four-legged animals first and then you know the cows the the pigs and then maybe after that you uh, get rid of the two-legged and then you go for fish and and it, you keep going and going and you um you know once you take incremental changes you can add other things to it and I would say that's that's the easiest approach for the most people um I would say the most important thing and the thing that I did wrong was, I was so focused on health and nutrition that I made my food pretty much taste terrible. <laughs> so the key is to make it that make it so that you're eating delicious food. You know, there are so many delicious foods out there, whether you know, plant-based or not, but you should be eating food that makes you happy, that fills you up, that is also healthy. Don't make it so like healthy that you're eating like cardboard all the time. Cause that is, is definitely not the way to make friends with the potluck. And, <laughs> and it's not the way that you're going to be sustainable. No one wants to eat grass and cardboard. You know, there's lots and lots of ways to, to cook beautiful food, or if you have more money than time, buy beautiful plant-based food. You know, um, there's lots, thankfully now there's lots and lots of resources out there that can make eating whole plant foods delicious. 
Yeah, for sure. I think for me, something that made going vegan more realistic was that my girlfriend, you know, when we cooked together, even though I was still eating animals um, at the beginning of our relationship, uh, when we cooked together, we would cook vegan meals and we would cook delicious vegan meals. And it made me realize that being vegan didn't mean you just ate a salad for every meal. And uh, so that helped me make the switch because I was like, oh, you can make delicious meals that are from plants. So it's certainly, uh, it's certainly possible, especially now more than, more than it was when, when you started. Mm -hmm. Um, so as plant-based athletes, I'm sure you get a lot of these questions. I do too, but people have this perception. I think it's probably because of, you know, the, the content we've been exposed to over the last 30, 40 years and longer, I assume, but um, of where, you know, the got milk commercials and all these commercials, you know, touting you, that you need protein. And mm-hmm. if you want to be, if you want to grow, if you want to be strong, you know, you need milk, you need protein, all that. Um, the question I get from so many people when they hear that I'm a plant-based athlete and that I run marathons, I run ultra marathons on a plant-based diet is, well, how do you get enough protein? So do you get that question a lot? And what do you say to people that ask those types of questions? Sure. It is probably the number one question. And yes, you do need protein. Absolutely. you That is not a myth. It is one of the macronutrients. You absolutely need protein. Um, you don't necessarily need milk. You definitely don't need milk. But you can um, get all your protein from a plant-based diet. But I would um, say that you do have to pay attention to what you're you're eating. I don't think um, that, you know, there's this sort of myth out there in the plant-based world that, you know, you don't have to pay attention to protein because all plants do contain protein, which is true. All plants contain protein. All plants contain fat. All plants contain carbohydrate just in, you know, different ratios. Um, but you, as an athlete, you do need to pay attention to protein, uh, and, but it's not as hard as you think to get it. So athletes, um, endurance athletes and strength athletes need more protein than the average sedentary person sitting on the couch, but they don't need an extraordinary amount. The vast majority of people eat too much protein, you know, and adds up to extra calories. So if your body is not if your body has enough protein um, to repair your muscles, then it's just going to be extra calories that will probably, if you know, just be held on as fat. So, but what I tend to f- uh, find is the opposite problem with many runners is that they are actually not eating enough to support their running. And so it's not just protein, it's carbs and fat too. So um, one of the challenges of a plant-based diet, especially a whole foods plant-based diet, is not that you're not getting enough protein. It's that you're eating all these wonderful, delicious foods with tons of healthy fiber, and you actually get full a lot quicker, which is a great thing if you're trying to lose weight or if you love eating a lot of food like I do. You, you know, you get pretty full and then you might accidentally not be taking in enough calories. And so 
when athletes, endurance athletes, don't take in enough calories, um, it can happen to men or women, but the, the problems seem to be more dramatic in women, is all sorts of things start going wrong. Um, your body will start to basically cannibalize itself, and it'll throw the muscle overboard, and then it'll start taking um, from the, your bones, and you get, uh, you know, mess up your hormones, you know, you're susceptible to more injuries, stress factors, all sorts of crazy stuff if you don't eat enough food. And so with a plant-based diet, that definitely can happen. It can happen with any diet, but because of, um, you know, your fullness, you're feeling full from all this extra delicious, wonderful fiber, you do have to pay attention to what you eat. I think you need to pay attention to what you eat on any diet, you know, but with plant-based and protein especially, um, there are tons of sources of protein that you can get from plants. You know, um, nuts, seeds, legumes are, are the um, number one sources that are whole foods. You can, um, you know, get protein from more processed sources if you like. You know, you can get uh, alternative meats and you can use protein powders, plant-based protein powders. If you really are struggling to get in enough calories and in enough protein, that can be an option. But it also does not have to be, you know, good old rice and beans, there you go, is the perfect plant-based protein um, profile that you can eat. And throw in some greens with that, throw in some green veggies. It's cheap, it's easy, delicious, throw some hot sauce on there for your electrolytes, you are good to go. I'm getting hungry just hearing you talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely a, a struggle for me when I went plant-based and I am about two and a half years in. And when I first made the switch, I lost about 10 pounds and I wasn't the person that was really excited to lose 10 pounds. And I mean, it didn't happen overnight, but it, it did happen over a couple months. And the challenge for me was getting enough calories. And when you are consuming a more traditional American diet with animal products, you know, you're, you're getting more calorically dense foods. And so you do have to kind of eat more oftentimes when you're on a plant-based diet, but there are ways to do it. So, you know, you coach athletes and you're also a plant-based athlete. Do you recommend any ways of tracking your, your macronutrients, tracking your caloric intake and expenditure? Is there any, any systems that you use to help people with this sort of transition, whether they are on a plant-based diet, or as you said, any other diet, it's really important that you're aware of your caloric intake and expenditures. Yeah, I would say that um, tracking is important, but also should be temporary. Um, yeah. When you ta when you track all of your your what you eat every bite, that can really be helpful. You can use you can use a piece of paper if you want to, or you could use an app like my Fitness Pal. You get a picture of what you're actually putting in your body, and you start to learn what the macronutrients are, what the other nutrients are, how calorically dense something is. And it can really be eye-opening when you do it for a little while. Like um, myself, for example, I was making these um, smoothies that I thought were just the best. You know, I would throw in an avocado. I'd throw in some walnuts. I'd throw in this, some seeds of this, and, you know, and I had no idea that I was drinking a 700 calorie smoothie every day, you know, as a snack. So I had, you know, so it can be really eye-opening to just non-judgmentally, like don't attach any emotion to it, 
track what you're eating for a week or two and then stop because I don't, I really do not encourage long-term tracking of what you eat because I think it can add to some, you know, food insecurities. It can, you know, eating disorders kind of that, that really sort of the OCD kind of, um, you know, uh, people who lean that way can get triggered by stuff like that. So I think there's some you know, emotional things going on that we need to be aware of. Um, And the other thing is you should be able to learn how to eat well eventually and know what fuels your body without having to, to put every morsel of food into your, into your phone every single day. But I think it can be helpful on a short-term basis as, as kind of a check-in to see where you are and where you can improve. Yeah, for sure. You you make a lot of really good points there. And I'm the same way. I encourage people like three days of tracking because I do think that it can lead to an unhealthy relationship with, um, you know, with food. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of an aside, but we recently heard the story of the Oregon track and field team that was their coaches were basically, from what I understand, telling their athletes uh, what I think like BMI they wanted them at and, and really going very much into the metrics of like, this is the weight you need to be at. And that's not healthy. That's not a healthy relationship with your diet. And the reality is like the healthiest weight for, and the healthiest, you know, state for you is the one that you feel good at mentally, physically, and that is able to, keep you healthy. Mm-hmm. And it's important that you're taking in all the macronutrients that you need. You're taking in enough calories to sustain your living and your exercise. Um, but food is also something that brings a lot of, of joy and, and happiness. And mm-hmm. it should be more free form than numbers. You need right. to hit this this calories, this number of carbs, this number of protein. Like it should be just what do you enjoy eating? What do you want to eat? What makes you feel good? So I'm glad mm-hmm. that you put in the the disclaimer there of like, you know, only do this for a little time because tracking your your diet is not something that you want to be doing for for long term. Right. Right. And, you know, the thing is, your your metabolism is a moving target, too. So if you track your food and you decide whatever your calorie is, X calories is exactly what you need every single day, that will work for a certain point. And then your body will get used to that and you will not be the same. Your body is always adjusting the temperature, you know, on your internal heater. And so if your goal is weight loss, for example, that's only going to work for a while. And then you'll have to eat less and less and less and less until you're truly, you know, starving yourself. And, you know, then you go into all the issues that we talked about. So, we really have to decide when it comes to our diets that what is our goal? Is our goal to be healthy? That looks different than is our goal performance. You know, we can have both. There is an over- overlap, but there is um, there is a part where it doesn't overlap. You know, you we can eat a lot of things in the name of performance that we would not be eating for health. You know, nobody eats gels for health. 
but we eat those for performance. So there's two different, there's two different things going on. And I think that you need to look at what your goals are um, and that can help inform what you, what you eat every day. So over the last few years, there's been an emergence of plant-based meats that are really intended to mimic meat. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on on these Beyond Meat, Impossible, some of these companies that have come out with very meat-like plant-based options? Well, um, I think they are great in the sense that they are introducing the world to other options. They are um, kind of converting some omnivores into saying, hey, wait, you know, plant-based isn't so bad. Um, actually, this is delicious. Um, but from a, you know, nutritional profile, uh, an Impossible Burger is not a whole lot different from a ground beef burger. Um, you know, it does have about the same amount of saturated fat. They purposely made it like that so that it resembles meat. And so your body isn't really going to treat it a lot differently. I mean, I have seen some studies that say it is slightly better for you than um, a meat burger. So um, it's, you know, it's not a health food. Let's put it that way. But it can be a treat. So I would say don't rely on it all the time. But if you're going to a barbecue or everybody else is having, you know, meat burgers and you bring an impossible burger, it can, number one, it can give you something to eat so you don't feel like the vegan weirdo, which is important. But it can also start the conversation with somebody and just be like, and they'll be like, well, what are you eating? I'm like, oh, well, I'm eating this new plant-based burger and, you know, it's pretty cool. Oh, can I try some? And it might, it might open the door to somebody else in a really non-judgmental way. You know, vegans get this reputation for being just militant and, um, you know, holier than thou, better than everyone else. And which is part of the why, why I don't associate myself very often as a vegan. I'm whole foods, plant-based, but that's a mouthful to say. So sometimes shortcut vegan is easier, (laughs) but you know, the, the negative stereotype of preachy vegans. I mean, (laughs) I think, I think there's a joke. How do you know someone's vegan? They'll tell you it's kind of the same. (laughs) How do you know, how do you know someone has run a marathon? They'll tell you it's like the same thing. You know, we're both, we're obsessed in, in two different ways, but so you don't want to be that guy. Right. So I think those um, companies and those products have a place. And I think, you know, as far as adding them to your diet, they're fine occasionally. But I would not recommend that that is your main source of protein or, or, or food. I don't eat them every single day. But, you know, every once in a while, perfectly fine. There, there are certainly unhealthy ways to to consume plants right and if you're just going to consume beyond burgers and peanut butter and jellies and you know there are plenty things out there you're probably not going to be very healthy so Mm -hmm. yeah i think you you make good points there but they are good they do taste very similar and uh you know it's interesting something that i've experienced and i'd be curious if, if you've had this experience as well um is that i don't really miss meat And so for me, like I certainly have consumed impossible burgers, beyond burgers, and it's nice every once in a while, but it's not that I'm like craving a burger. So have you experienced that too? 
meat's never been my thing so much. Yeah. So even as a kid, it was never something that was hard to give up. But we can go into the cheese thing if you want. I mean, <laughs> sure. cheese, is, <laughs> cheese yeah. is very different. I mean, that is engineered to be the most delicious thing in the world, right? You know, yep. it's got the, the tang, the umami, the salty, the fatty. I mean, it's just, it, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't delicious. It's delicious, right? So thankfully, the um, non-dairy cheese industry is doing well and getting better and better. And, and I make my own uh, cashew cream cheese or ca- cashew sauce or stuff like that, which is very easy to do if you have a good blender. Yeah. Um, or, but, you know, in a pinch, I'll, I'll buy something. Um, so, you know, cheese is definitely harder for me than meat. But at this point, um, I, I have an alternative. You know, it's not the actual you know, fermented dairy milk that I am missing. I'm missing the creamy, salty, cravey umami. And that can happen with plants too. Do you have a, a go-to plant-based cheese? Um, from the store, you mean? Yeah. Or I like Miyoko's, like everything okay. she makes um, is pretty awesome. But I had her book way back when. And so I've learned to make, you know, some cheeses myself. I don't usually go all out and do like the hard cheeses that take weeks and you dry them. I've tried that before and it's fun for an experience, an experiment. But that's just too much work. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, but but cream cheese is cashew cream cheese is a staple in in my house for sure. Awesome! I'll have to uh, get the the name of that book from you because that's something I would I would certainly mm-hmm. like to try. Um, but I think you're right there. Like a lot of the people that I talk to who are struggling with the prospect of going plant based, it's not the meat. A lot of people are already have given up red meat or they've given up eating chicken or beef and they're on their way, they say, well, I could just never do without the cheese or I could never do without eggs. And it is really exciting because there are lots of ways to replicate things like that. And, you know, I've made delicious tofu scrambles and the just egg is love it incredible like texture wise taste wise like you could honestly serve that to people and tell them that it's egg and they would never know Um, so it's exciting where we're at but i think you're right there there's a lot more people that say the cheese is something i could never give up than it's the meat Mm -hmm. yeah and and you know, the thing is with the American diet, um, you know, forget about being plant-based, just how much meat and cheese consumption has gone up in the past, I don't know, 50 years is just out of control. You know, it wouldn't be so bad if we ate a little bit of cheese here and there. But what standard American diet is, is there's dairy, there's meat, there's cheese on everything. It's it's so much the it's the excess that we're getting in trouble with. If, you know, if you had a little bite here and there, is that going to harm your health? No, no, not at all. But it's just, we have gotten to the point where we are so oversaturated with excess and indulgence and we should always be rewarding ourselves. And, you know, they engineer food to taste super sweet, super salty, super fatty, so that we can say, wow, isn't this amazing? And literally every single thing we put in our mouth is like that. So when we go to try to eat an apple, we're like, huh, this is kind of boring. So I think it's a lot about retraining our taste buds to learn what actually is sweet, what actually is salty. And you might find that 
the standard processed diet that we're all used to is is just oversaturated, you know, with taste. And they do it on purpose. And so if you really want to be a rebel <laughs> and, and you know, say no to that kind of marketing, because they are trying to sucker you in to buy their stuff, you know, um, you know, whole food plant-based is a way to do that too. So learn what a good apple tastes like, um, you know, a fresh pineapple. Um, learn what rice and beans and greens taste like. I mean, it's amazing, right? But it doesn't have to be, you know, from a package all the time. You know, I, I really thought that that was a myth that your taste buds could change. But to give you like the real quick story on my food evolution i was the kid that like i didn't want sauce on my pizza i like ate mac and cheese and chicken nuggets and like no greens no fruit like i was the pickiest eater ever and i learned gradually to increase what i was open to eating through exposure but the evolution of my taste buds in the last three years, having gone plant-based truly blew me away. I mean, there are things that I never used to be interested in eating, and now I eat everything outside of animal products. And it's really surprised me. And I don't say that to try and convert people. I just say that as, you know, an anecdote of my experience, but it's, it does happen. And it, it is really, incredible when you do taste things that you didn't taste before or you didn't maybe you had them before but you didn't taste them in the same way mm -hmm. so it, it's really incredible mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and you know people say oh well you can't eat this you can't eat that and i said no i can eat anything that i want i actually want to eat this way yeah. i find yes it, sometimes it can be a challenge sometimes you have to be creative Sometimes, you know, you have to be diplomatic with people and all of that is okay because you are really doing the best thing for yourself and for the planet and that feels good. And if you can make it taste good, which is not that hard to do, um, then it's just a win across the board. 100%. And I, I liked what you said earlier about different people. Some need the line in the sand of what you can and what you can't eat, and others need it to be more gradual. And what I often tell people and encourage them to to consider doing is just trying, you know, one meal per week. You know, maybe Monday night or maybe one day per week. You you go plant based and see how that goes, and expose yourself to delicious vegan meals and incorporate those things into your normal routines. Another challenge that that I think a lot of people have is changing their shopping habits. And mm -hmm. we get so stuck in knowing, all right, this is where all the things are that I get at the store every time. And I know my route through the store and I know the most efficient way. And so I think that almost can be the most challenging part is learning where to where do you get nutritional yeast where is the tofu like things right. like that that maybe you don't normally get um but that's i think that's maybe where you need more of the the evolution over time i'm the same way like i needed to go all in once i made the switch i was like i'm all in i'm doing this full time because i knew that if i started to have like little cheat meals and little cheat days then it was just going to 
bleed into the rest of the the rest of my right. life. Right. But um, I think that the shopping piece is something that is hard for people that they really need to relearn how to shop and where to go in the store. You know, when you were saying that, the thing that I was imagining was um, like a science lab rat in a maze and how how similar we actually are, you know, to them. Like, you know, we'll have our habits, we'll have our, our route through the maze. And then if something changes, we're all flustered, right? So I would say um, the best place to start is definitely arm yourself with some good cookbooks, um, cookbooks that are not 100% healthy. <laughs> they need to have some fun stuff in there too. Um, cause we do need to eat for, for pleasure too, not just a hundred percent for health. Um, and you know, start out, like you said, start out with, um, making a meal and go to the store with a shopping list for that one particular meal and try that out. And hopefully it'll become a staple, right? And so that will be your new way to go in the store. And then, you know, you do that enough and you'll have half a dozen, a dozen meals. And, and finally you'll have that new, maze worked out in the in the store and you won't even think about it again but but yeah of course change change is hard habit change is hard always is i mean that's just the way we are wired so you know there are if if you really want to um try it again yeah start with a meal but make it make it a tasty one i think that's super important (laughs) well on that note i'm gonna put you on the spot favorite vegan meal and if you have one, a recommendation for a good vegan cookbook, maybe mm-hmm. a more introductory cookbook. I know for me, um, now I'm blanking on the name, uh, Party Grub, <laughs> is that the one? I don't I know that one. Like that. Uh, but anyways, I'll put you on the spot here. Favorite vegan yep. meal, favorite vegan cookbook. Well, vegan cookbook, 100% without question, Chloe's Kitchen by Chloe's Co- Chloe Coscarelli. So she is a vegan chef from New York City, and uh, she was actually the first vegan to win Cupcake Wars way back when. And she has several books. But what I love about her is that she is vegan for the animals, so not 100% for health. So her foods, you know, do have oil in them, you know, there is some vegan butter in it. So they're not perfectly always healthy. And that's actually a good thing. Um, You can learn how to make a vegan cake, which is super easy. You just kind of tweak the ingredients just a little bit. Um, But everything that I have made from her first cookbook, um, omnivores have loved. So I would say, so vegan meals, there's, I cannot say favorite because there's so many favorites, but I do love her scallop potatoes. Um, that is something that everybody in my family begs for. Um, vegan lasagna is always a winner. Um, one thing that I like to make now uh, a lot, if I'm looking for just simple, quick, and easy, is I love all the new pastas out there. Um, so I love red lentil pasta and chickpea pasta because they really do taste um, very similar to whole wheat pasta, but they have all the profile nutritionally of lentils or chickpeas. So lots and lots of protein. So you don't actually have to have extra you know, you don't have to have tofu or beans or something like that to get your protein. That all comes right in the pasta. Put that with just a jar of marinara sauce and then have some kind of green veggie on the side. And literally dinner is done in 15, 20 minutes and super, super easy. So um, anyway, I guess that was a lot of favorite recipes, but I, I love 
eating and I love food. And so I have lots and lots of favorites, but Again, making things, don't overcomplicate this, you know, let's, let's eat plants, let's try not to have them too processed, and try to get a balance of, of you know, veggies, starches, and, and protein-based foods on your plate, and you're good to go. Well, I think that's a perfect way to wrap it up. Uh, thank you so much for, for coming on today and chatting about your experience as a plant-based athlete. I really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to do this again and share some recipes back and forth because it is really incredible how many tasty vegan meals there are and how easy it is to, um, you know, to be a healthy, happy vegan athlete. So thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Tucker, my pleasure. Well, that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. The cookbook that I was trying to remember in the last few minutes is called Thug Kitchen, and I will put a link to that cookbook in the show notes. I really hope you enjoyed this one. I had a blast with this conversation, and I hope you got something out of it. It would be a huge help to me if you could leave a five-star rating and a review and also share this with anyone who you think would benefit from hearing it. I would really appreciate that. Make sure that you hit subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And I look forward to bringing you more information to help you become the best version of yourself.